Welcome to this week's episode of the Online Journey Podcast. I'm so excited for you guys this week. I am, you are in for such an amazing treat. I have one of my previous mentors and coaches, and actually the first coach that I invested into in my coaching journey, Jen Casey. She is a brain-based business coach. She has seen the arc of the way I came because I started my business working with her. So it's really fun to kind of just see what has happened in the last two years, but I'm so excited to welcome you here, Jen. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And it's just so incredible to see all of the expansion and the quantum leaps and just so beautiful when you just have those moments where things click into place and it's just exponential growth from there. Yes. So super excited. It's crazy because two years feels like a long time, but doesn't feel like a long, like when I've been in it, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is taking forever. And then I'm like, oh, I've only had my business for two years. Yeah. It not that wild? Yeah. <laughs> time, the relationship with time moves differently when you have a business. Yes, it does. It's like, oh, oh, wow. In two years, I created that. But like in the month, you're like, oh my gosh, nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. I hear that. So, well, I would love to have you just introduce yourself to the audience and tell them a little bit about you. Yeah. So I call myself a brain-based business coach and I work with my clients in a variety of different ways. I sort of have the the business strategy piece, as well as the spiritual piece. But ultimately for me, I look through the lens of psychology. So whether we're looking at building a sales page, writing sales, copy, building a funnel, or we're looking at sort of those up levels that happen for people who are scaling up there or really at any stage, but really those people who are scaling up as they're building team, as they're starting to attract more clients and they're needing support, uh, really just looking at, through the lens of psychology at all of those things that start to come up as well as the buyer psychology behind why people do what they do. That's so amazing because I feel like people, it's so easy to say, why am I not getting different results? And they're only focused on their 5% of their conscious thoughts. Mm -hmm. And there's so much frustration. Like, why can't I change? Why can't I change? But all they're living in is their conscious reality. Yes. And I love jamming and going deep into all things subconscious And for such a long time, that was my primary focus. When I started my career as a coach, it was all about sort of the the NLP techniques and the coaching techniques. And over the last couple of years, that's really shifted and deepened into really looking at and incorporating all of the energetics, all of the body work, all of those sort of things that actually make such a huge difference in the way that somebody shows up and transforms. And I see there's a lot, we could, we could talk a little bit about some of the patterns in the coaching industry and sort of my journey within that and how I came to really being able to step into kind of this higher level lens of, of coaching and, and healing work. Yeah. I'd love to hear like, what has been your experience versus when you were mostly focused on the subconscious to now the shift in focusing on energetics and the body. And I mean, trauma lives in the body. So that makes so much right. sense. And like, <laughs> seeing the shift of, okay, you're trying to get results with 5% of your conscious mind. And then you're trying to get results with just your conscious and your subconscious and things still aren't shifting. And then now we add in the body, like what have been the shifts that you've seen from that, that transition? I love that. So I have been in the online space for over 10 years, started in network marketing, transitioned into uh, and was a health coach and fitness instructor, and then transitioned into helping uh, health coaches and fitness instructors and, and people in the fitness community, dietitians with business, and then sort of expanded from there. And in the early days, I focused, when I started doing business coaching specifically, I, I focused so much on the strategy, so much on the technology, because those were a lot of the, the early hangups at that time. And I remember facilitating group coaching programs and seeing some people get results, but there was always like this the spread of people. There was the rock stars, the people who always got incredible results. You gave them a task, they crushed it, they got it done. There was the underdogs who would sort of get in their own way, get in their head about stuff. And everyone else in the container could see their potential and how much brilliance they had to offer, but they kept self-sabotaging. Then you had the ghosts, the people who would like sign up and never show up. <laughs> so, you know, we're all a ghost sometimes. Sometimes you don't need it in that moment. So not throwing any shade, but you know, you, those, there's those people who don't actually show up for the live calls and interact. Then there's the complainers, which occasionally pop up. 
asterisk here. I'm not talking about the people who show up and say like, I have this challenge, I have this problem. It's the complainers are the people who are not looking for actual solutions. They just want to complain. And when somebody gives them feedback, they're not really coachable. Uh, they're not really looking to take those steps forward for any number of reasons. And there's a few other little like avatars, but I started to see this spread not only in programs that I ran, but almost even more so in other programs that I was a participant in. It was a little bit easier when I wasn't facilitating to really get that like objective view. And I had a problem with that. I had a problem with the fact that there was people who had all this potential and weren't able to live up to it. Now, granted in a group coaching container, you're working with you know, 10, 50, 100, sometimes 150 people. So that was really challenging to be able to have those like personal touch points. So I really started to explore like what's underneath all of this, what's really going on. And my whole coaching approach really started to shift pretty drastically from looking more at the up-to-date strategies and social media things that were working to really leaning more heavily into understanding the subconscious. And I remember actually a big shift for me happened in 2017. I went to a Tony Robbins event and I came home and I was on a really good friend's podcast. And he said, okay, what do you, what do you, what's, what's coming up for you lately? What do you want to talk about? And I said, dude, I have no idea because my entire perspective on coaching has just shifted. And so we just talked about that <laughs> on the podcast, but really it had. And I remember thinking about, uh, oh gosh, what's his name? Who used to be a famous uh, golf, Tiger Woods, story about Tiger Woods, that he was the top of his game as a young guy. I don't know anything about the game of golf, but he was doing really, really well. And he decided to take a giant step back from the game of golf to go and work on his swing. And it was like that one to 10% teeny, teeny, tiny little shift. And then he came back and he was like even more unbeatable. And at that time, when I started recognizing that there was actually so much more for me to learn, there was that little piece of overwhelm, but also that excitement of, wow, I can serve this audience at an entirely new level because I knew that people were loving it, getting amazing testimonials, so much gratitude, but I knew deep down that there was so much more that could be added in. Even though it was a business strategy program, I knew that there was more subconscious work that could be woven into the, the content. And over the next couple of years, I, I really started deepening my study as an actual, like in the art of coaching. And I have a degree in psychology, um, but really bringing all of those worlds together. And I started to see some really massive shifts. And I remember when I rolled out a new program where I actually had brought in like all of these subconscious things. So instead of just like teaching the how-to, I kind of began the module addressing some of the biggest challenges and speaking to the subconscious things that I knew always came up at the end. And I spoke to them at the beginning and all of a sudden nobody was having those blocks. And I just started to sort of like develop and, and enhance what was happening within that container. It was really beautiful to see that these little teeny tiny subtle shifts, it could just be one line up at the front that would completely change the way that somebody received the information, just that one little preframe. And there's so much power in like the art of teaching and the art of coaching that I feel like has not even been explored and I think in the online coaching space is not explored enough um, that could really just create those transformational results that, and just catapult people to the next level. Um, so that was like my kind of first, you know, introduction into really weaving sort of the subconscious work into what I was doing in, in the online space. And then after that, you've had another shift more into focusing on the body and business energetics. And so how did you shift from, okay, I help people with strategy. Now I'm going to help you unlock your subconscious mind to, oh, wow. Like there's a whole body below the head. Maybe we should include that too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny that I wasn't already incorporating that because I came from the fitness space. And so I knew, uh, you know, I work, I help people with their bodies all the time. But for some reason, when I went into the business space, it was like, leave all that information behind, leave that identity behind. And then, okay, no, I'm a business coach, whatever that was. Right. And so, um, you know, as I was studying all these different 
coaching art forms and, and even really looking at NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, which I think a lot of your people might be familiar with, probably buzzword heard about. In the field of NLP, they it was all based on different psychologists and, and studying the best hypnotherapists. And they just basically organized and created criteria for everything that they observed that they were doing. And so even in that field, when you're looking at somebody's state, it's influenced not just by the thoughts that they think, we're looking at the subconscious, but also their physiology. And Tony Robbins, I think, does a really masterful job at his events of really making sure that the physiology piece is at the forefront. And I and really, when you're working with 15,000 people in an audience, you have to do that. You can't talk to every single person individually. You've got to get their bodies moving, clearing energy, and awakened. And so I've gone to a lot of different events 2017 on. I was like, I'm going to go to an event every single month. So I was doing all this study and I was actually at a Tony Robbins event and they did this really beautiful healing. And so you're sitting there and, and I don't even, I think it was like maybe an inner child type thing, but I'm sitting there. And then all of a sudden I felt my neck start to move without myself. (laughs) Like I wasn't moving my neck and I felt my neck go back almost like you go up on a roller coaster that like click, click, click. And I felt click, click, click each vertebrae. My head went all the way back. I started to panic a little bit because as it clicked back, my whole throat kind of closed and constricted and I couldn't breathe. And then it hit all the way back and I went, and it was like the deepest breath I had ever taken. And I didn't know what that was. And I remember thinking that was really weird and never, and didn't think about it again. And then maybe like six months, few months, I don't even remember what the time frame was, but a few months later, I had my first experience with plant medicine. And that was really where I went, oh, this is spirit trying to come through. This is a channel trying to make contact, trying to show me like what, what I need. And spirit was like moving my neck and stretching my neck. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm just tight in my neck. And maybe that was part of it, but it was like wanting to vocally express, wanting to move energy. Um, and in terms of the connection between the subconscious and the body energetics, I had a huge breakthrough around this in 2019 when I was in Costa Rica, I shared this on my podcast. When I went to Rhythmia, I sat with ayahuasca for the first time. And I remember, um, for those people who don't know, ayahuasca is a plant medicine. And basically what it does is it supports your body in connecting with the spirit realm. You're essentially, these plant medicines help open up a portal. And then the spirit from the plant helps guide you through and navigate. And because those plants are such a high vibrational frequency, when they come into your body, anything that is a lower vibrational frequency, that's kind of stuck in the tissues and the fascia it helps remove that, or if there's any negative thought patterns. And I remember having, and people go, oh, Ayahuasca, isn't that the thing where you throw up? Oh, I don't want to throw up. It's like, oh my God, that's not what it's about. So you can purge in a lot of different ways. You can sweat, you can burp, you can poop, you can shake, you can yell, you can cry. Like there's all different ways, but a lot of people do purge, but it's not like throwing up any other time. You know that there's like energy. You can like almost like feel it, like scooping all the energy out of your body and like coming out. And then you just feel oh my God, you feel like so blissed and so peaceful after. Cause you know that you just, and you can look at your bucket and ask like, what did I just release? Oh, okay. Weird. Like self-hatred or jealousy or whatever that was. So anyway, so I have this really intense purge one of the nights in 2019. And I start having all of these things integrate all of these downloads. And I realized I had, I had purged up something from like when I was 14 that in my mind, I had never categorized as a trauma, but my body did. And I got the message from spirit. She said, you could have gone to 40 years of therapy and you would have never gotten to this. And I'm like, what, why? She said, because you had already healed it in your neurology, but you didn't realize it was in the tissues of your body. You weren't present to it. You weren't looking for it. And so And then when I did release it, I realized there actually was a lot of things that needed to be healed around that. And I did that work that, that night and continued to integrate for many months thereafter. But that was a huge, massive breakthrough, uh, in in that recognition of how much we keep in our bodies. And since then, I, you know, if you guys don't have, haven't read the book, the body keeps the score, such an amazing book. I did a whole trauma certification with, with the author. And it's just 
so profoundly fascinating to see how much we actually store in the tissues of our body. And then when you're having that chronic pain over like over certain years, like there's something there. So after I had this experience about three months later, I was sitting in another ceremony and this is where I had probably the most profound night of my entire life. I was laying there and all of a sudden my hands started moving. I didn't know what it was. It was just kind of fanning back and forth. And I didn't want to distract anybody. So I was kind of just trying to hold my hand down, <laughs> trying to, you know, not take up like too much space. Didn't want to like, you know, get in the way of anybody's process. But every time I tried to like keep my hand down, it would hurt. And so my hand, I was like, oh, this is so annoying. Like, what is it doing? And it just wanted a fan. And I started fanning back and forth, back and forth, specifically my right hand. And then I sat up and I looked at two of the other women who were sitting and it almost felt like a little trisecta of energy. There were other people there kind of like laying on the floor. And I started moving my hand and somebody in the corner, as I was moving my hand, her butt started shaking like Shakira. And I thought, that's weird. And I'm moving my hand back and forth really fast. And then I stopped and she would stop. And then I would start again. And I'm like, what? The? this is so weird. And I was like, am I doing this? No, 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 no. Like, there's no way I'm doing this. This is so weird. There's no way. And throughout the rest of that night, I had amazing, beautiful people in that space and in my life who were very, very supportive. And, you know, some people were like, whoa, this is intense. I'm like, guys, I'm, I'm no control over my hands. This is not me. I'm like, you guys called in spirit. I was like, don't be like, oh, Jen's trying to give me healing. No, 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 no. I have literally no control of my hands. One of my friends, Catherine, I'm having a conversation with her with my head turned and my arms are still going. And she's hysterically laughing. She's like, you, you're literally having, she's like, what time is it? Okay. What time do you think? And my hands are just almost like I'm typing that. Look, it was just so strange. So we're, we're having this whole thing. I'm clearing all this energy for people. And we're having these massive releases. And then we all sit down after and we were like, what? what just happened? What was that? And my friend Catherine said, who wasn't on any plant medicine at that point, she, uh, she said, Jen, that was crazy. You literally looked like a blue alien. You looked like a blue alien with this like gemstone in the center of your head. She's like, that was the image I kept seeing. So this is like just before COVID hits. So I'm like, wow, this is wild. Okay. What's going on? My whole life just blown out reality. Everything has shifted. And I was facilitating an in-person experience not long after that. And uh, one of my clients was having a really difficult time. We had someone come in to facilitate breath work and she had really opened up a lot of stuff in her body. And she ended up staying late one of the days and she's like, I just, I just have this, like, I don't know. I just, I can't, I can't go home like this. And I was like, I got you. Like, let's, let's sit down. And we were talking and then I was like, you know, what? let me do some idiokinesis work on you. This is something that I did back in like my actor days. And it's a beautiful technique to like ground your body, similar to Alexander technique. And then I said, would you be open to um, some, some energy work? I said that I could feel my hand starting to go. And, and she said, sure. And it was like, oh, I have this pain in my knee. And we started like moving the energy. She was literally, and this is like, you know, 12 o'clock at night now. We're, we're doing this for an hour and a half. And she is, every time I would come over her womb space, it was like she was giving birth, literally moaning. Every time I would come to one spot, her pelvis would thrust up in the air, ah, like making all these sounds. And we were moving so much energy. And then we got to a point where, she started farting uncontrollably like <laughs> 40 times in a row, <laughs> one after another. And she's like, Oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. I don't even fart in front of my partner. Oh my God. And I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. I'm spraying like whatever, some rose water spray. And afterwards we both sat there and we were like, yo, that was insane. What happened? And she's like, what was that like for you? I'm like, what was that like for you? And we both shared with each other. And I mean, for me, I was feeling so much energy in my hands, so much moving and that I was clearing myself after. And for her, she had this massive, she was seeing three different vignettes, all these really insane things around her mother and, and some, some stuff that she didn't, she was never told, but things that came through from spirit. And then seeing birth things and, and it was really, really powerful for her. And she was able to like massively integrate things in her life and go home and, and really be opened up in her root chakra. Um, 
in a really beautiful way and be that way with her partner as well. And, and she was like, I'm walking different. Like my, my experiences are different. My intimacy is like completely 180. So that was like everything that I think I needed at that point in my journey to be able to go, okay, you needed that like little bit of extra confirmation to be like, you can do this, not in a state of plant medicine. And, and now it's something that I'm able to do anytime I can send somebody's energy. And I know, like, I know that they're open to it. Now there were points after that where I would really open up and then be like in a bodega in New York city and my hands start going. And I'm like, not now, <laughs> this is not appropriate. Stop it. Spirit. You can't be doing this right now. Like guy at the counter doesn't need energy healing. He did not give you consent. You can't, you, you're not allowed. Shut it down. <laughs> so yeah. And I would tell friends that they're like, you really need to work on like your energetic boundaries and creating protection bubbles and things like that. So that was like a really interesting learning. Um, cause that's like, it's, it's kind of like an uncomfortable, like kind of scary thing. Like, Oh shit. Like what is happening? Like, I can't, I literally can't control this, but now I'm in a place where it's like, yes, I can control it. I can use it like when it's appropriate and like not have it turned on when it's not called for. So yeah, it's been, it's been a really, really wild, uh, kind of journey up and down. So basically your hand had Tourette's for a while. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much yeah like just absolutely insane you're like I'm sorry like I'm sorry I'm trying to heal you right now but (laughs) it wasn't even that it's like oh my god my hand's going it was like I would feel their energy Mm -hmm. so it's like if they had grief all of a sudden I was feeling tremendous grief and it was like oh my god this is too much like I need to get out of this bodega I need to go or you know whatever's going on like all of a sudden I would feel like a tightness in my chest and it was like okay, Jen, like, this is not yours. This is not yours. Just clear it. And this is something that I had the ability to do my my whole life. And it's why I've always been very like energetically sensitive to my surroundings, but I just didn't have context or language for it. And I didn't really understand what to do about that. Like, even when I worked in I worked at a TGI Fridays and there would be some tables where I needed to go and introduce myself, take their order. And I would have crippled, like out of nowhere, like crippling anxiety and just like, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God, I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to go over there to them. And I didn't, I didn't understand. I was just like, okay, just go drink some Red Bull, like push through and basically had to, for survival purposes, had to essentially in that, because I didn't have any other understanding for it. That was my only tool. And so I would just kind of push through, force myself into suppressing all of those intuitive hits. Um, I kind of think my fiance jokes on he's like, you know, it's like X-Men when, when uh, <laughs> Xavier's like having all these like voices in his head and he's like, what the hell is this? Like, I don't know where this is coming from. Like, that's how it is for me with like emotion and energy, or at least it was before I like figured out like, okay, let's acknowledge this. Um, yeah, just crazy. <laughs> So like this big empathic portal, just like really fully opened and people's emotions just poured into your body. You're like, close the portal, close the portal. Close the portal. Yeah. And I'm really grateful. I did some beautiful work with Shaman Durek. Absolutely love him. Um, And he really helped me to more deep, like validate what was, what I was experiencing and also like more deeply understand what's going on. And one thing that he did for me was he was like, do you by chance have like a birthmark? like, um, yeah, actually I, I do not like a mole, like a birthmark. I have like one of the little, like, um, like coffee stain ones. And he was yeah. like, okay. He's like, okay, where do you have it? And I was like, oh, it's on my back. He's like, where on your back? I was like, um, uh, I don't know, like my lower back on what he's like, okay. Okay. So apparently that is a sign your like birthmarks. Every time I tell people this, they're like, what about this? I have one here. What does this mean? I'm like, I don't know. Go message him and tell him he needs to do a podcast on birthmarks, I guess. But basically all I know about it is he said to me that, that your birthmarks are a sign of your spiritual gifts from past lives. Hmm. And so he had me activate my birthmark, which was insane. I instantly started hysterically crying and started getting all of these visual downloads and realizing that in a past life, I had been this, you know, spiritual, uh, healer and that I was killed for using my healing gifts. And I saw these images and was just feeling like literally instant sadness. As soon as I said, activate my birthmark, it was intense, (laughs) but if you have a birthmark, there might be something there for you to explore and 
it may be some information with it held within that birthmark for you. So it's really crazy. I've never heard that before. I have one on my arm, I think like one of those coffee stain looking ones. Mm-hmm. Whenever I say it to like spiritual people, they're like, oh my gosh, I have one, but it's here. Oh, it's on my yeah. leg. Oh, it's my mid back. What does that mean? I'm like, and a friend of mine, he, I shared it with him and he said, oh my gosh, Jen, I've had this like birthmark on my head for the longest time. Like since I was a kid, he's like, and when I was little, I used to think this birthmark makes me like telepathic. <laughs> he's like, and I used to talk to my birthmark and I was like, you got to go home and uh, activate your birthmark. And then, he, you know, just like was having all these amazing downloads from activating his birthmark. But yeah, it's just so, so fascinating. That's There's crazy. just so much we don't know. There's so yeah. much. I don't don't know how into human design you are, um, but I've definitely learned more about human design and your splenic center is your fear and intuition center. And I have every gate, but one of them defined, which means that I'm like super intuitive. Um, But I still don't even really know my intuitive powers because I've struggled with emotional eating my whole life. And like, I've been taught that emotions were bad. And like Mm. the gateway to my intuition is having emotions and it's been hard to teach myself how to have emotions and like let emotions be okay. And so I never would have called myself intuitive. And so then like, as these, you know, how you're talking before, I can see like these images, like, I'm like, what, what are these images? What are these? Like, I can't stop them. And I feel a little crazy and I never would have called myself intuitive before kind of any of this journey. Wow. I think what's so interesting about what you're saying too, is like, I don't know if you've had this experience, but whenever I talk about some of the healing stuff that's come through these like energy gifts, I have people reach out to me and go, oh my God, I had this come through. I've experienced this. I've experienced that. And I guess there's not that many people talking about it, but I think there are people talking about it. They're just more in a different kind of like bubble of the online space, or it's just the books that maybe you're not picking up yet. And it's just like, the more we talk about these things, it's, it's more of like that permission slip for other people. Cause when I first started waking into this, I was looking everywhere. I was YouTubing stuff, Googling stuff. I could not find anything, but I didn't know what to call it. I didn't have the language for it. Um, and slowly over the last like two ish years, I've started to get more information from the other people. Like even Shabba like, Oh yeah, my, my girlfriend, she does the same thing. She does it for me at night. She clears my energy. I'm like, okay, good. I'm not the only person. Like, obviously I'm not the only person who could do that, but like, I'm sure most people could do it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really cool. So if you're, whoever's listening to this, if you're experiencing some kind of gift that you feel in your soul brings you joy and feels really deeply connected, but you don't have context or language for it yet, keep leaning into it because that is your magic. And every single person listening to this probably has multiple spiritual gifts. We have the ability to sense things outside of our five senses or just at a heightened level of our five senses. And we're just not taught how to cultivate those things. So of course it seems strange. Of course it seems woo woo when you first, you know, if you're, if you don't have somebody to support you and go, yeah, that's totally normal. I have that too. You, it can feel really isolating and and very strange and people then suppress it and don't want to tell anybody about it. What are people going to think of me? And all those stories start to come up. Yeah. I mean, not only does it feel like not normal, I feel like it is normalized to make it bad. Mm. So like you feel like you hide it because it makes you different and that makes you bad and you don't fit in with the pack. And then you're afraid you're going to get eaten by lions and you're not going to have a group anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Well, even like the, the witch wound that so many powerful women were persecuted for their healing abilities and labeled witches. And there's always, especially around Halloween time, a little quote graphic that goes around Instagram. So I did not write this, but it's something to the effect of, you know, why are people so afraid of witches and not the people that burned them? Right. Like what? Yeah. Like these people just started grabbing women and and persecuting them for being able to support and heal and help other people awaken. And that was scary. And especially, you know, I mean that, and like that can, we can go in a whole other direction with that, but there's, there's so much there that is just this indoctrinated fear for many people, not all people, but for many people around really stepping into those 
spiritual gifts and, and speaking about them. Yeah, I had my Akashic records read uh, like six months ago or so. And she said, what came up in my Akashic records was that I have the ability to read Akashic records. Yes. <laughs> so I haven't really dug into that or like figured out how to read them, but she said like my spirit guides were calling me like, this is one of my gifts. Wow. So there are a lot of gifts that we have that you can choose to access or not access and like take it slow. And like at this time, I just felt overwhelmed to learn that right now, just because I'm learning a lot of basics in my business. But like also just knowing that I have that when I'm ready to like step into that power. Mm. Well, even what you were saying before about human design, I feel like that is all very interconnected into all of this work as well. Mm-hmm. And are you, are you splenic or splenic? Uh, so I'm an emotional manifesting generator, but yeah. I only have one gate defined in my emotional center, one gate defined in my sacral, and then all but one gate defined in my splenic. And so it was just really interesting. It was actually kind of explained to me, I have more power in my splenic than I have in my emotions, but in order to access my splenic, I need to let my emotions be. Um, mm. But to like really, even though I'm technically not a splenic authority, like I just have so much power there that like that's actually a better place for me to make decisions from. That is fascinating. Hmm. So, and it's is interesting. That- yeah, it's just really interesting because yeah, all my power is there and in my root chakra, um, which is where most of my gates are. So it's just really interesting to see. And I've been dealing with adrenal fatigue, which comes from your splenic and your root. So. I love that. Yeah. And I I'm splenic authority. So that's why I was asking. I was like, Oh, that'd be so funny. Yeah. Well, actually a lot of my clients are splenic authorities. So (laughs) yes, I attract a lot of splenic projectors. Um, Mm -hmm. I think partially because I do have that sacral in my, as a manifesting generator, but it's interesting because my branding key is the gate of stillness, which manifesting generators are known for their ability to be fast. Hmm. And so And I think my stillness probably comes from a lot of my intuition. So it's like really interesting to see, like, as a manifesting generator, like this is the way people would type you, but then the way my chart reads is so different. And so even with human design, it's very like layered and Mm -hmm. that's fascinating. And even what you're saying, actually with like adrenal fatigue, I feel like that's a whole other, like your, your body is giving you these intuitive cues and I mean, I, I just basically took the entire month of January to just step back from everything in my business because I could just feel myself reaching that burnout point. And in 2020, I had like some severe health stuff, like really, really. And I was like, I'm not going back there. No, no chance. And I have slept so much more, got off of coffee, stopped drinking alcohol. And I just feel like a different person. Like I took video clips of myself earlier in January, just to sort of document. I look so miserable. (laughs) I look so tired, so miserable. And was just kind of at that place where it's like, I'm having more rough days where I've really got to get myself going than days where I wake up inspired and excited. And that's like, for me, that's my cue. Okay, hold on. What is going on here? Where are we living out of alignment? Where are we not showing up? And I didn't know that I was going to basically take the whole month off. It started, let me give myself a week to just kind of gather some things behind the scenes, reorganize, reset. So it wasn't that I was off, off, but it was just off from like showing up and giving my energy to other people basically. And then it turned into a month and it was everything that I freaking needed. And I think so many people who are in this space, especially those who are very energetically sensitive are not listening to their body cues are not taking that time off or saying, I can't take that time off or I shouldn't take that time off. And all of that language is really preventing you from tuning into your intuitive messages that are coming through that are, that are asking you to, to rest, to sleep, to stretch, to, to do whatever it is that your body is calling on you to do. I've, and I don't know if you've seen this similar, but I found that new entrepreneurs often take too much time off because they're afraid of success. And then multi six figure, seven figure entrepreneurs often refuse to take time off because now they're afraid of failure. Hmm. That's interesting. Cause I, 
my Facebook group is mostly like newer entrepreneurs. And then my Instagram, I started to attract and I've been working with multi six figure entrepreneurs. So it's really interesting to see different, but same patterns in them. And most of it comes down to self-trust, like 99.9% of it. And it's just a different like place for self-trust and a different new level. You have to trust yourself in. Yes. Like I'm telling my new entrepreneur, like newer entrepreneurs who are trying to hit five figure or $5,000 months, like trust yourself to be consistent, trust yourself to show up. It's not going to feel good in your body. It's going to feel uncomfortable. And you're going to convince yourself as you're not in the right energetic space and you're not meant to, and you need to take time off and you need to slow down and you're doing things out of shoulds. But then the people who are six figure, multi six figure, seven figure entrepreneurs, it feels good in your body to show up every day. Hustle feels normal. Your body has now regulated to hustle. Mm. And then like, now I need you to slow down. Now I need you to take a day off. And that doesn't feel good. And it's really interesting to see like whatever you regulate your body to is what will feel good and feel normal. And so they're like, but I'm regulating to my nervous, like your nervous system is not going to feel regulated because you're changing your life and your patterns. Yes. That's fire. That's really good. So it's just been interesting to like watch the patterns of the two different levels of entrepreneurs and like the way you need to be showing up and it both, they both boil down to self-trust, but it just changes over time what you need to trust yourself with. Amen to that. Amen. That trust is everything. Yeah. So what do you feel like, so I heard this quote for, I was listening to a podcast. Do you ever listen to Mark Groves? Mm-mm. Oh, he had someone on there talking about nervous system regulation. And she gave this definition of trauma that I thought was interesting. She said, trauma is the definition of anything energetically was too much for your body. Mm-hmm. Which I just thought was a really interesting definition. Cause so many people are like, well, I haven't been through trauma or you wouldn't categorize something as trauma and how you talked about when you were 14, your body took something on as trauma, but your brain didn't register it as trauma. So how would you help people kind of navigate to the trauma that lives in their body and ways to get it out of them? So this is a really good question. Um, so when it comes to trauma, I think it's maybe a little getting a little bit misused in the online space in terms of like buzzword stuff, which you've probably seen as well. Mm -hmm. So there's, from what I've learned from, from the uh, trainings that I've done is that different people are experiencing different types of trauma at different points in their lives. And that actually really matters when coming up with a treatment plan. Mm -hmm. And, and I I think coaches, it's good to be trauma informed, but they're not qualified to be doing trauma healing work. If that makes sense. They can be a part of a team of somebody under the supervision of a clinician who's helping somebody with the trauma. But so basically when it comes to trauma, if we're looking at what we need to look at what's going on in somebody's life. So it's what age were they when the trauma occurred, because that's going to affect their brain development. And sometimes trauma can essentially freeze the developmental period that somebody's going through. You need to be looking at what type of trauma it was. Was it neglect? Was it physical abuse? Was it sexual abuse? Um, was it, uh, you know, did they feel scared going and walking through their community? Was it, uh, some kind of racial or prejudice thing that they're experiencing and microaggressions or uh, major aggressions, things like that. So we, that, that is going to play a role in terms of, you know, or was it some kind of one-off event? Is it something that's chronic or one-off, right? That's important. Was it something like a school shooting, right? Or um, a death, like losing a parent or something like that. That's going to change the way that somebody uh, adjusts. And so those, we can look at those things and go, oh, that's traumatic. Or people go, oh, that's trauma, but it's, it's not, it's the way that the body is actually organizing that information. And like that woman said, is the body actually able to move through that information and, and process those emotions or not. Right. So those are all things that need to be looked at. And there's actually, if you read the book, the body keeps the score, he talks about it in there. Um, you know, that veterans have a very different experience with the way that they respond to treatment plans. So in some cases, certain like medications can be helpful. They're doing a lot of studies right now with different plant medicines, psilocybin, ayahuasca, um, MDMA, uh, ketamine, things like that. Um, well, those are not all plant medicines, psilocybin and ayahuasca, um, 
but just a lot of different um, things that are heart openers and things that can help heal. And then for depending on the trauma, group therapy might be helpful. And sometimes group therapy is like actually the worst thing, depending on the type of trauma, uh, you know, breath work, energy work. They're finding a lot of really uh, promising things around yoga. There was a really interesting study. I wish I had it in front of me, but a really interesting study around uh, comparing yoga versus some over-the-counter medication and then sort of how that person how that group of people were able to regulate and then how they were feeling ongoing after the treatment ended and the people with yoga had really like even more positive uh abilities to regulate thereafter so there's so many different things that can be done and if i learned anything from the training that i did it's like the certification it's it's that there's still very little funding for trauma and therefore you know, it, from a a scientific perspective, there hasn't been enough in that's been really studied at that level to be proven one way or another. And there's just so many, because there's so many different ways that trauma can manifest in an individual's body and their experiences. One of the other things that, that really makes a big impact is this one question for clinicians. And it's, you would ask the client, like as a child, who did you feel safe with? And that one little piece of information, if they say, I felt safe with no one, that's going to impact the way that they build a connection or are able to trust their therapist. And if they're not able to trust their therapist, then cognitive behavioral therapy might be a little bit challenging, right? But if they felt safe, and then, but you also get so much information. It's like, oh, I felt safe with somebody until five years old, but uh, you know, then on out, it's like, okay, well, there was something there. And that's a great, um, for clinicians, it's a, a a great question to sort of begin that process to really understand what, what is it, what is the right training? What is the right, uh, healing modalities that can be incorporated into a uh, treatment plan. But yeah, there's yeah. so much there. I mean, it's such a huge topic and I think coaching should be done in tandem with therapy and mm-hmm. should be a really support team. And there's big T trauma and little T trauma and just like so many different kinds of trauma. And I recently started doing yoga. Um, I go about five days a week now and I never did yoga before. Cause I was like, this is slow and I hate this, but adrenal fatigue forces you to slow down. Um, and I go once a week to restorative yoga. Have you ever done restorative yoga? Mm-hmm. It's like the hardest yoga class you've ever done. Cause you do nothing for an hour. <laughs> And I'm like thinking of yeah. all the ways I could be productive and I'm just laying there. Uh, oh, that's so funny. Yeah. I, my, the classes I used to teach were like a kickboxing class and insanity. So, you know, talk about, about as high intensity intervals, like you're just go, 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 go hit it so hard. So yeah, the, the switch to doing more like Pilates and yoga, especially restorative yoga. It's <laughs> like, there should be more happening. Yeah. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm barely moving. Yeah. Cause I used to do CrossFit and orange theory and those mm-hmm. are like my ways I would work out. And now I go to like yin yoga and restorative yoga and deep stretch yoga and Pilates. And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> like, it's just such a shift, but I also know that that's what my body and walks and things like that is what my body is needing. So just really learning to listen to your body. Mm-hmm. Listening to your body and actually, uh, doing what it says. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of people are like, yeah, I listen to my body. And then I ignore it. <laughs> and then I, and then I, uh, uh, go do something else. That was one of the things Shaman Durek had said to me. He's like, okay. He's like, so the spirits are telling me, he's like that your guides are giving you like lots of great information. He's like, but you don't listen. <laughs> I was like, Ugh, called out. Like, he's like, you can't hide anything. I'm a shaman. Like I'm speaking to spirit and like, you don't listen. <laughs> this is like, you're so go, but I was like, okay. Yeah. Why am I not, what? And then it's sitting with that question. Why am I not listening? Why am I, why, why am I hearing? Cause there's a difference between hearing something and listening. I'm hearing it. I'm listening kind of, but then I am talking myself out of following those divine messages, those intuitive hits. And that is always when I get myself into situations where I'm not happy, where I'm not aligned I heard a quote that I've really been trying to live by this year because my word of the year is self-trust and it was body lead, mind follows. Love that. And it's like, okay, how can I let my body lead this year? How can I, you know, because our mind collapses or takes over way before our body can. And 
it just is like, yeah, how can we tune into our body more? And it's interesting because in my human design, the way I can be like the most wealthy, happy, and successful is by the more I love my body and the more I live in my body. And I've struggled with my weight and hated my body my whole life. And it has been my number one biggest challenge my whole life. I remember I started beach body because I thought I could get fit if I could get paid to get fit. It didn't work. <laughs> but <laughs> in my mind, it was like, oh, this could work. Um, and so it's been like just such a a learning of like, okay, like if you really want to unlock it, love your body. And so like, there's just so much to it. And as women we're taught that our body is the enemy. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think the patriarchy teaching us that our body is the enemy keeps us disconnected from our intuition, which means that we can't show up and be the leaders we're meant to be. A freaking men. Oh my God. Yeah. We're indoctrinated into these belief systems that we're supposed to be skinny and have no cellulite and have a flat stomach and no, like what? There are some people that are naturally that way or, you know, work out and, and bring themselves into different shapes and sculpt, but it's like, it just creates so much self-hatred. And I, it's so funny because I was a beach body coach and I have had so many clients over the years, hundreds of clients who are beach body coaches. And there's this like interesting pattern, not for everybody, but an interesting pattern within many communities like that, where similarly, I was like, okay, let me go into this. This is going to be good motivation and accountability to get fit. And then it became your body as your business. And that was the message from the company. Your body is your business. Your body is your business. And while that's true and somewhat motivational, it kind of can skew if somebody already has like a disordered relationship with food or fitness, which I most definitely did. I had a lot of emotional eating stuff and it really skewed the way that I saw myself. And when I left Beachbody, it was like, oh, I don't need to work out anymore. Because my only relationship, the relationship that I had built with fitness was one of business. And I'm still in that process of rebuilding a new relationship with no blueprint, because that was not modeled for me of like, how do I want to love her? How do I want to take care of her? Like, this is my body. Like, what does she need today? How does she want to be dressed and adorned? And, you know, all of those questions were very, very, very foreign to me when I first was supported and guided in beginning to ask those things and and look at my body in a very different way. Yeah. Yeah. There's just so much programming. I mean, that came from obviously my past, but then yeah, add the layer of Beachbody in. Um, And then I went from Beachbody to Prove It and Prove It wasn't to the extreme Beachbody was, but it was another company where I was focusing on weight loss and health and my body and just like really using that as my marketing tool. And Mm -hmm. when you're using your body to market, it's never going to feel good enough. It's never going to, because there's never a weight loss transformation that's great enough. And you see people yo-yo, they gain weight back to have another transformation to continue Mm -hmm. to sell. And um, yeah, and learning and kind of bringing this full circle is the more you can connect to your body, the more your intuition can shine. Amen. Like you connect your body, the more your intuition can shine. And just side note, like, I don't think Beachbody like necessarily created that. I think it just attracted a lot of people. I'm like, not shitting on Beachbody. <laughs> like, I just think a lot of people were like myself and kind of you too, like drawn to that because it was like, oh, this will like keep me, keep me on and, and make sure that I follow through, which it did. Mm-hmm. But it also created other things and which I take responsibility for. That was Beachbody. That was the way that, I, that was my relationship with fitness that was only magnified by the way I interacted. And, and build a business around fitness. So just yeah. And it's not just them. It's really, I mean, and the fitness industry as a whole has right. been created that way. Right. Um, and it's also pain point marketing. <laughs> true. Very true. <laughs> so, which was very popular back then. So, yeah. so different. a lot of shifts. Well, this has been such a beautiful conversation. Thank you for your time. Do you have any last kind of just words of wisdom for the audience of any recommendations for someone that's like, oh, I feel like I connect with this, but I don't know what this me- what that means or how to do that or what next steps to take? Mm. 
if you feel like you connected with this, I would say create some space for yourself whenever you're listening to this and allow yourself to journal, see what's coming up. If you're like annoyed by this conversation, if you're excited about this conversation, if you found yourself rolling your eyes at parts of this conversation, whatever it is, those are all judgments and that's all information and feedback. That's really, that is golden information for you. Golden information. If you look at people in the online space and you're like, oh, the spiritual girl and you roll your eyes. Okay. What is there a part of you that is not allowing you to express yourself fully in that way? Like wherever you have a judgment, there is a disconnect and there is a part of you that is being mirrored by that that is not fully integrated into your being, which is why you have that sort of a reaction to it. Same thing if you're like really excited about it and you're feeling like that flutter, like, oh my God, I think I might have some gifts that I haven't explored. Yeah, like that's what this is. It's all a mirror. Everything we've shared, everything's a mirror. So it's all a mirror for you. So journal on that. What was exciting? Are there fears coming up? Are there, is there resistance? Is it excitement? But then like, oh, I don't know. What's, what is this? It's, it's all beautiful. It's all information for you to continue on your path. I heard this quote this one time and um, she had said, if someone says, oh my gosh, Jen, I hate your blue hair and you don't have blue hair, you're not going to have any reaction to it. But if someone said, oh my gosh, Jen, I hate that your hand moves weirdly. Like anytime we have a reaction to something, it means that like, there's a part of us inside that connects to it. And I just thought that was an interesting way to kind of lay that out. Like if you have no reaction, you don't have a belief or a connection around it. Yes. The first time I had the chair quote too, the first time I ever heard anything like this was from Don Miguel Ruiz, the author of the four agreements. And he talked about how, you know, if somebody rubs their hand across your skin on your arm, let's say that and just like nicely strokes it, that feels pleasurable. But if you have a giant gaping sore open wound and they go and do that same action, all of a sudden somebody's, ah, you hurt me screaming, right? Person doing the stroking has no idea what's going on when it's physical and we can see the wound on the external, right? See it on the body. We understand that, but a lot of people have internal wounds that we can't see. And so all of a sudden somebody's reacting to us and we're like, I don't know why you're yelling at me right now or why you're angry at me or why you're disgusted by me or whatever it is. And it's just because there is a wound there that is internal. It's invisible to us, but it's very real for that person. That is a beautiful note to end on. Thank you (laughs) so much. Um, I will have all of Jen's information in the show notes so you guys can connect with her and her brilliance and her amazing podcast also, which is beautiful and full of insights. If you guys liked this episode or have any takeaways you want to share, please tag both of us on Instagram and share it. Connect with either of us, send us a DM, tell us what you really loved. Also, as always, please make sure you rate this podcast. And if you give it a review and you rate it, go ahead and send me a DM and I will give you a free magnetic money meditation. Thank you for listening. And I hope you guys have an amazing week as always.